0: So how would you have done? We don't have marshmallows for you this morning. I want to welcome you here this morning? My name's Tim Hampton. I, I know a lot of you. If you don't know who I am, I've been attending here for uh, a couple of years now three three years maybe. Uh, for a while, my wife's telling me how many years. It's been a while. Um, I am uh, in the elder. Mike asked me to introduce myself, so that's why I'm telling you who I am. i uh, in the elder training program right now, and uh, I. Previously, I had pastored for about 10 years uh, in Walkersville and taught for a couple years at New Life Christian School and uh, here to share the word with you here this morning. Let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, thank you and we welcome you and invite you into everything that's said and done here this morning. Guide us in our thoughts, guide us in uh, hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember in school when a teacher would come out and say, Okay, put your paper, put your, clear your desk, get out a piece of paper, get a pencil out, we're going to have a quiz. Remember that? And some of you hear that and go, hmm, uh, it made you a little nervous or, or people get a little uptight. There's usually a groan from the class uh, when you're having a quiz or a test. Or maybe you had that dream where you show up for a final and you realize you forgot to study. So you ever have that dream? And you're going to take the test, and you're, you're completely unready uh, for the test when it comes. Uh, or maybe you like taking tests. Maybe there's some people who enjoy tests and quizzes and uh, and being able to test and see what you know. Either way, it didn't take long when you're in school to you realize that quizzes and tests are really part of the game. It was just part of uh, what you had to do. You knew they were coming sometimes. Sometimes you had pop quizzes, uh, but it was something that you knew that was coming up. And it's true in school. But it's also true in life that tests will come, and there's really no getting away from it. There's no getting around it. And when I was teaching, so I was thinking about tests. When I was teaching, one of the things I would uh, hated was when you'd spend 45 minutes in a class just pouring your heart into a lesson and teaching something. I was teaching Bible. I would teach something from the Bible I thought was very significant, and, and somebody would raise their hand, and what question would they ask? Is this going to be on the test? And you think, oh, you're missing everything that we're here trying to learn. So tests come, and in life it's, it's not like that. And, and, and people ask that question, is it going to be on the test? And sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I think in life, if we were to ask God, will this be on the test? I think his answer would be yes. Everything is on the test. So I want us to think about that a little bit this morning. I have a quote here from uh, Tom Baudet. Anybody know who Tom Bodette is? Motel 6, remember him? We'll keep the light on for you. So a great theologian, Tom Baudet, uh, he said, The difference between school and life. In school, you're taught a lesson and then given a test. In life, you're given a test that teaches a lesson. So think about that as we go into talking about the book of James today. Today we're beginning a, a series on the book of James. Uh, so we want to kind of give some introduction to that and, and uh, go into some of the first things he's talking about. It's really a letter written by James, to a group of people who were undergoing severe testing. Uh, there were, and you, you read the whole book of James, you find out that some people were undergoing financial testing. Uh, there were relationship difficulties. Uh, there were some people with habitual sin that they were dealing with. Uh, there's doubt, sickness, loneliness, injustice, materialism. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can. I suspect most people can at some level relate to tests in life. As if you turn with me to the book of James or the letter of James, uh, the teacher in me wants to ask a few questions. Where's James found? Is it Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament. Okay, we narrowed it down. Anybody know what comes right before James? Hebrews, what comes right after James? First Peter. Uh, and what comes after First Peter? Oh, Second Peter, okay. But you, you know where James is, so now you locate it in your Bible, and I'd recommend put a bookmark there because we're going to be spending the next several weeks uh, looking at the book of James uh, and talking about it. Now, as you turn there and, and, and as we begin, I want to give a brief commercial for SOAP. Uh, and if that comes up on the screen here, S-O-A-P. Uh, we've been talking about this the last couple of months here. And, and I want to just kind of review it. Uh, And it made me think of a a situation when I was uh, first dating my wife, Chris, uh, before she was my wife. Her younger brother was still living at home, and he's a little bit younger than us. And I remember a discussion he had with his mother. She said, Adam, go take a shower. And he said, oh, do I have to? She said, yes, you have to. And uh, so he's always a negotiator. And so his next question was, do I got to use soap? And uh, of course, the answer was yes, yes, you have to use soap. So think about it this way. Soap is what makes the shower effective. If you take a shower without soap, it's not going to be real effective. You'll get wet, but it won't really do the job. Soap, S-O-A-P, is Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. What I'd like to suggest is that this is really what makes reading the Bible and studying the Bible effective uh, in our lives. So I want you to think about that. In fact, today I'm going to use that acronym as, as kind of our pattern for the message this morning. So you can kind of follow along. And I'm going to walk through kind of how I would do this and uh, share some things that I I gleaned and that I think God opened up this week uh, through the scripture as well. First thing, S stands for scripture. And one of the most important things that you can do and that we can do to grow as a follower of Christ is to take in the word of God on a regular basis and to, to constantly have it coming into our lives, whether it's hearing it or reading it. Uh, or experiencing it some other way, but we need to have the Word of God coming into our lives uh, regularly. Now, I encourage you, if, if you're not used to reading the Word of God, that, that uh, you, you just take a chance. Go ahead and try it. Don't worry about what you don't understand, because I know sometimes when you just start, it's, it's a little intimidating because it's a big book and there's a whole lot in there. Don't worry about reading the whole thing, but uh, start and trust that God, if there's things you don't understand, don't worry about it now, but uh, God will reveal them as you need them but read it and listen to it on a regular basis. The youth actually have a challenge uh, as they're getting ready to go to momentum. uh, And the challenge is for them to read the book of James 20 times in a month. So if the youth can do that, just encourage you, consider that possibility as a challenge. Uh, But do that and, and just constantly be thinking about the word of God. So I want to start off by reading the scripture. And you can listen, you can follow along, you can read up on the screen And uh, we just want to read James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations greetings. Consider a pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he'll pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and the beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now I encourage you as you read the scripture and listen to the scripture to ask yourself some questions. You know, what, what word step, stood out to you? What phrase caught your attention? What made you ask questions and wonder, hmm, I wonder what does that mean? Uh, And and ask yourself those type of things as as you're reading the word of God and trust that God will begin to reveal things to you because he promised it. The Holy Spirit who inspired the word of God also lives in us as believers, and his intent is to to open it up for us so that we can understand it and apply it to our lives. Another thing that's helpful in in reading scripture uh, is to look at it from different perspectives. One of the things in the youth challenge is they, they suggested try reading it in different, uh, drift, different translations. I'm just going to read the first eight verses again. Uh, this is from the message. It's a whole different type of translation, so it'll sound very different. But just listen to how it sounds this way. I, James, am a slave of God and the master Jesus, writing to the twelve tribes scattered to kingdom come. Hello. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the Master that way, adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. It sounds very different. You might get some different things out of hearing it from different perspectives and different ways of writing it. So read the Scripture, and that's where we start. Read the Scripture and just listen. Listen and, and, and ask God to reveal things to us. I'm going to share with you the second uh, letter is O, and that stands for observation. i want to share with you some of the observations I made in the last uh, couple of weeks as I've been preparing and, and reading this scripture, and some of the things I found through some investigation that I did uh, based on my observations. And we'll just go through a couple different parts here and walk through uh, with you and hopefully share some things that might be helpful for us. Uh, James chapter 1, 1 through 4, just a couple thoughts that I noticed here. First of all, I'll tell you a little background. James... Uh, is a a letter, as I talked about, uh, written by uh, James, who was actually the brother of Jesus, just to give you a a little insight here. And very humble man, if you think about it. He was the half-brother of Jesus, doesn't even mention it here. Seems like that would be kind of the name-dropping thing you might want to do to get people to read your letter. But uh, he just says, this is who I am. I'm a servant of God. James, also a man of great prayer. The things I read about him, one of the things that described him was that He was on his knees praying so often that it was said that his knees were like the knees of a camel because they were all calloused and from being on his knees all the time. So very humble man who was praying for these people, and he's sending this letter to encourage them. He's sending a letter to the 12 tribes that were scattered everywhere, and they were scattered because they were under persecution. So things were very difficult, and sometimes they had to run even for their lives. And uh, they they struggled financially, struggled with loneliness, they struggled with a lot of different things because they were being scattered throughout the world. So he starts off his letter in verse 2, and he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And as I read that, I thought, you've got to be kidding. Consider pure joy. So here's people who are undergoing all kinds of suffering, and his word of encouragement to them is, be joyful. Be joyful in the middle of all this persecution and everything that's going on. Don't worry. Be happy. And one of my concerns is t- in teaching from the book of James in this passage in particular is that it could sound like we're not taking trials seriously. We understand that people go through very difficult times and very difficult trials. And, and sometimes you can just throw a verse like this at a trial and say, Oh, yes, yes, just consider it pure joy and, uh, and miss the whole significance of the trial. We're not here just to say cheer up, and I don't believe that's what James is saying. I think there's a lot more to it. So that's the type of thing as as we read that. What does he really mean? This is the observations and the questions we want to ask, and we'll look a little more closely. First of all, he says pure joy. Consider it pure joy. So what's he not saying? I believe he's not saying be happy that you lost your job or that your neighbor has cancer or that your marriage is falling apart. I don't believe he's saying just grin and bear it or enjoy suffering. It's fun. He's not saying that. I don't think that's his intent. I believe there's something more. And as, as we read the whole context of James, and this is the value of reading the whole book of James, is that you get the whole picture of what he's saying. There's a bigger picture there that's going on. A word that caught my attention is this word consider. And I thought, what does that mean? And I looked it up and to get some more insight in that. And uh, there's a Greek word. I won't go into the actual Greek words, but I'll tell you a little bit about what I learned is that it's a word that's often translated to consider, or to think, or to count, or regard. But literally, this word means to be a leader, which seems very odd, seems very different than, than the way it's translated, or to have authority. So figuratively, this is how they use it. It means to lead out these thoughts in front of your mind and put them in order, to take authority over these thoughts, because thoughts come, and so it's taking authority over these thoughts taking the authority over the way we think about something. It's also sometimes used as an accounting term. If you think about it, count it all joy, so we're counting it up. Uh, So I was uh, studying with my daughter Emily, who who studies Greek at Bryan College, Uh, and uh, we were talking about that, and I like how she said it. It's like saying, file this under joy. This is happening to you. Put it in a file under joy. It's like we could have a file under misery, or we could have a file under joy. And he's saying, Deliberately stop and put this in the right file. We get to choose where to file it. Because often you can't change the circumstances we're going through. We can't change the situation. But I believe James is starting to suggest that we can change the way we think about it. And that's going to change our life drastically. If you're a Shakespeare fan, uh, I don't know many quotes from Shakespeare, but one I remember hearing uh, is that there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's from Hamlet. Uh, and he's saying, somebody said, he said to somebody, uh, Rosencrantz, he said, why are you here in this prison? And he said, what prison? He said, Denmark. Denmark's a prison. And he says, well, I don't think it's that way. He says, well, I do. And that's where he said. It's how we think about it that makes the difference, uh, that, that will change the way we see life. But still, I don't believe James is just giving us a positive thinking mantra and saying, just think positive and everything will be okay. I believe he is recognizing, though, that there's a battle. And the main spiritual battlefield is in our minds. And this is all throughout Scripture. When you read Ephesians 6, it tells us to put on the helmet of salvation because our mind needs protected. Part of our salvation comes through our protecting our mind. Romans 12 says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind to change the whole pattern of the way we think. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Paul says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So it's a deliberate stop and think differently. This is what transforms us. You will have thoughts either way. If you try not to think, it's impossible. You will have thoughts every way. uh, James is saying, take authority over the way you think. Think deliberately. Think on purpose. But I think there's even more. I want to continue on. So he says, consider pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. So the next question I ask is, how how should I think about trials? And a couple of things I noted here. One is you notice it says whenever you face trials, not if you face trials, because they will come. We will undergo tests and difficulties in life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Didn't he say that? That's a promise of Jesus. You know, we, we like to remember the promises of God, put them on keychains and things like that. But you don't see that one on a keychain or refrigerator magnets very often. In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus said that. Peter says, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Why are we shocked when we have trials? Everybody has them. We all go through them. It's the nature of this world. I believe that's why Jesus, when his friend Lazarus died, I believe that's why he wept. Part of it was for his friend, but he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. I believe Jesus wept because he said, this is not right. This is not the way it was intended. This is not the way it will be in this world you will have trouble things are not right here but also in light of that we can remember a couple things we don't go through trials alone of course god is with us but also 1st corinthians 10:13 says no temptation has seized you except what is common to man everybody has these temptations and i think one of the part of the battle is when the enemy starts to say you're the only one going through this everybody else's life is great you're suffering you're having trouble uh, it's because God doesn't love you. It's because God's deserted you. But James is st- stepping up and saying, no, this is not the case. There's many different types of trials that come in many different forms, but everybody uh, goes through trials, and everything is a test. Now, he starts then after that in verses 3 and 4, he gives us some reason for his unreasonable command. The command seems kind of unreasonable. Consider it joy when you're going through, uh, going through trials. But he adds on. He says, because you know this, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Something good comes out of this. God doesn't waste everything. God's up to something. We don't always know what it is, but he's doing something. I like this quote from George Mueller, uh, who was a great man of faith, uh, ran an orphanage uh, in England. He said, God delights to increase the faith of his children. I say and say it deliberately. Trials difficulties, and sometimes defeat are the very food of faith. We should take them out of his hand as evidence of his love and care for us and developing more and more that faith which he is seeking to strengthen in us. God's using these things. He's not wasting everything. Testing develops perseverance. One of my favorite stories lately, the last year or so, has been uh, from First Samuel 17. Uh, it's the story of David and Goliath. You've probably all heard the story of David and Goliath. And, and as I was reading that a little while ago, I was struck by David's uh, explanation of why he could face this giant, Goliath. And he said, when I was tending sheep, my father's sheep, a bear would come and take one of the sheep. And I would go after that bear. And, I, and when he turned on me, I would kill him and take back the sheep. And then a lion would come, and the same thing, and he would go and take the sheep back from the lion. He says, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this giant. And so God used those things because he went after it, because he faced the trials and didn't just say, I need to get out of this trial. He faced it. God used that to help prepare him for what was to come, to become mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's a goal to all this. Perseverance means to remain under or to stand up under something. I like how the message says it uh, after it says, you know, consider it joy and all this. He says in verse 4, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. I think that's sometimes where we miss it. We we have a trial. Nobody likes to go under a trial or have a test, but we try to get out of them. We try to avoid anything that's difficult because who, who wants to go through a trial? Hebrews 12, 11 says something interesting. I, as we read this and you think about it, going through trials and tests don't necessarily make us mature. He's not saying that. Everybody goes through trials and tests, but not everybody becomes mature. Hebrews 12, 11, it says it's the ones who become mature are the ones who are trained by it. So we're going to go through the tests anyway. So the question is, are we going to let God do something in us that's going to take us to a different place in life, to a different level of maturity Some of us, unfortunately, I think, because we're always trying to get out of of trials, end up missing the maturity that we could have. We go from relationship to relationship or or place to place uh, to try to get out of difficult situations. And I don't believe he's saying to never leave a situation, but I think the way the message says it, don't leave it prematurely. Premature is before we become mature. So sometimes we need to stick at it, but I think it's asking God and finding out what should we do. In fact, that's where James goes next. He says, okay, well, what do we do when I don't know what to do? Should I stay? Should I go? What should I do when I don't know what to do? And, and his, his, his next thing that he tells us is he should ask God. If any of you lacks wisdom, and we all lack wisdom, we should ask God. We should ask God and invite him into every situation. That's the essence of prayer. We say, Lord, here's my situation. I welcome you and invite you into this situation. I'm turning to you for wisdom because I don't know what to do. I need guidance. It reminded me of a, a man who stopped and asked me for directions. Uh, I live in Walkersville. We were having a yard sale and he stopped and asked me how to get someplace in Walkersville. So I told him and he said, no, nah, that's not right. And I thought, okay. And actually that's what I said. I said, okay. And, uh, but I think sometimes God has that experience as well we say god what do i do in this situation and god says this is what you should do and we go no that can't be right because the next thing he says is, but when we ask we must believe and not doubt if we ask god for wisdom and he tells us am i ready to obey am i ready to listen am i ready to trust in the character of god as we talked about a little earlier the and he says ask god who gives generously to all The the way this is in Greek, it actually says, the generous giving God. It's like an adjective describing God. God's the generous giving God. It's part of his character to give. In fact, he's waiting for us to ask. We all have difficulties. We all have trials. We all lack wisdom. And so he says, ask me. I'm ready. I'm waiting to be able to give you your answers and your guidance. Believe and not doubt. To not be double minded, or uh, Hebrew would say double souled. Don't have two souls. Uh, John Bunyan in the Pilgrim's Progress uh, described a man as the Mister facing both ways. So don't be the person who's trying to face both ways. Look to God and look to myself. Look to God or look to, uh, to my own wisdom. Look only to God. Be single minded. So we get towards the end of this passage, then James goes on in verses 9 through 11, and he, he gives an example. He says, Now, you poor people, do rejoice. Because you have a great reward. And you rich people, you should humble yourself. There's, there's, he's dealing with one of the things that they're dealing with. They're dealing with this problem of rich people oppressing poor people and, and everything going on. So he, he's giving an example. Here's something, here's something you need to have a different perspective on. You need to train yourself to think differently about this. But I think this is where he starts to get into the bigger picture. It gets to this last verse, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose-Driven Life, he says, The way you see your life shapes the way you live. And we all have in our minds some kind of like a metaphor of what's life like. And if you complete the phrase, life is like Dot, dot, dot. How would you complete that phrase? And, of course, we say life is like a box of chocolates, right? And I don't know how to make an application to that. But how does that affect how you live? I don't know. Chocolate's important. You've got to have chocolate as a priority. But he says, he says that the, the way, way we see life, uh, if we see life as a big party, we'll have a primary value of having fun. That will be our goal in everything we do. Or if it's a race, then maybe it's speed, getting as much done as we can. Or he says, here's a minefield or a circus or a roller coaster or a puzzle. And there's all different ways we could describe life. But the way we see life determines our expectations, our values, our priorities. I think James is saying partly here that life is a test. That character is developed and revealed by tests. And that all of life really is a test. Because the ultimate big picture is, in the end, God will reward us. He'll have a crown of life that we receive as we follow Him, that will last for eternity. We're always being tested, and I believe the tests come in many forms. But sometimes it's just the response to people, to problems, to success, to failure and success. I had a, a friend that I was in business once, once uh, years ago. We were struggling, and and uh, we were struggling financially uh, in the business, and he. Uh, Said He prayed one morning, Lord, I think I've got this poverty test down. I'd like to try the wealth test now and see what that's like. God didn't answer that prayer. But there's all different ways that tests come. We get tested sometimes even by things like illness, conflict, weather. Sometimes the weather affects uh, our attitude or how we live. When we can't feel God's presence, you ever had that? You wonder, where is God in this situation? Every day is an important day. Every second is a growth opportunity to deepen our character and to demonstrate love or to depend more on God. Nothing is wasted. And ultimately, the good news is that God knows these tests are coming, and he, as a good teacher, he wants us to pass. I've had some teachers, I think, that really delighted in seeing their students fail a test because that meant they were a good teacher or they, they were a tough teacher. They knew a lot. But God's a good teacher. He wants, our, he wants us to pass. He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. And James says, God notices when you do. When you pass the test, we, we can receive a crown of life. There's a reward, ultimately, for living and trusting in God. So we get to the A, the application. And just a few thoughts that I put down here just to think about. And you might have your own applications here as well. But by God's grace, when I'm facing trials, I want to learn to change the way I think about tests. I want to even embrace tests and look at it and say, this is a test. This is just a test. I can face this and hopefully I'll pass. If not, God gives retests and I'll take this test again and hopefully I'll do better next time. But I want to learn to change the way I think about tests. I'll ask God for wisdom and for help in facing the trials of life and trust that He is good. Because that's that's part of it is trusting in His good character. I'll look forward to being more and more mature and whole into and the true life that god has promised me because i love him think about what applications that god wants you to to apply from the book of james as we read the whole book and perhaps as you read it when you're in throughout the week as well i want to get to the closing part of this the prayer and i know the worship team is going to come back up for a closing song here in just a few minutes as well uh if they want to come want to close with a prayer that I wrote out. And I think uh, the SOAP idea is that take what you learn and what you hear from God and now let's, let's pray, let's talk with God. God's real intent is for us to have communication to interact with him. And so this is what I wrote down. Lord, I love you and know that you are good. I'm thankful that you're always present when I'm facing trials in life. You promised the trials would come, but you also promised that you would always... Be with us. Forgive me for doubting, Father. I'm asking you for wisdom because I do not know how to face the difficulties in life. Show me how to face the tests, and I will trust that your way is best. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, so that I can live a life of joy no matter what I'm facing. In the name of Jesus, amen.